millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. I have an amazing guest today. His name is Dave Hollis, and we will be discussing how to face your fears to live the life you're meant for. Dave's purpose on this planet is to encourage people to step toward their calling while equipping them with the tools to lead an exceptional life. Dave is a New York Times bestselling author, host of the popular Rise Together podcast keynote speaker and life and business coach. Dave's history includes CEO of media startup, president of sales for the film studio at Walt Disney Company, talent manager across film, TV, music, along with the work in publicity, research and technology and entertainment sector. So in this episode, Dave and I will be discussing so many great things. We'll be talking about how to show up as the best version of yourself, how to define your operating principles, how to improve career and personal life at the same time, how to figure out the right direction when you feel stuck, how to shift your thinking from I think I might to I know I can, how to find a balance in life, how to develop an advanced mindset and next level resilience. So before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Dave. I'm so honored to have you on my podcast. How are you today? I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being my guest. And we would love to learn more about you because you were head of sales at Walt Disney and you were well-known and how did you develop guts to leave your job? Oh man, well, it's an interesting thing. I had worked for 20 years or so inside of entertainment. And those last 17 years was a career inside the Walt Disney Company. I was so blessed to be surrounded by some of the best teams, best products, best people. And the first 10, 11 years of being inside the company, I had one of the greatest treats of a career in that every year, almost on the year mark, I found myself being given an opportunity to step into a new role. And so my professional ADD, the way that I might be challenged inside of a new role where I was not yet an expert, did not yet even fully understand how to do the job, always had me outside of my comfort zone, usually had me 
trying to figure out a learning curve. And in a world where many times the teams that I was leading had more experience than myself, had me trying to relationship build and negotiate how I might be able to ask dumb questions, offer my insight and support, but in a way that didn't in any way suggest I understood completely what was necessarily going on. And at the end of my time at Disney, uh, the last seven years, I was the head of sales inside of the movie studio. And at the time, Disney was already one of the biggest studios, but uh, I, as a 36-year-old human being, had not previously worked inside of the theatrical business. I didn't have a lot of experience in sales necessarily. And so the, the exhilarating and terrifying nature of trying to lead this team at the beginning of that seven-year run was just the most satisfying and fulfilling thing ever. And a couple years in, the company acquired Marvel Studios. Uh, a couple years later, they acquired Lucasfilm. And so this job that had been this overwhelming thing for me to try and figure out how to do well, over time had me understanding how to do it better and better. And the leverage that I had in selling our product to the movie theaters just got bigger than any company had ever had in the history of the movie business because of what ended up being the power of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. And so for me, I hit this point probably five years of, into my seven, where I started to realize that though I had what was for many people, their dream job, not being in a position where I had to necessarily use every single bit of my potential was leaving me feeling underfulfilled in an environment where I should have, or I thought I should have because of the trappings of the title or the salary or the access or it being you know, movie stars and everything else that were included in the perks, um, it just didn't feel the way it should. And I was sitting out back with my kids playing this game that we played each night in the spa where they could ask me literally any question, nothing was off limits. And my middle son asked what I was most afraid of. And out of my mouth, right? He's looking for scorpions or tarantulas and out of my mouth, falls not living up to my potential. And so this thing that I had my deepest fear for was manifesting itself in real time in my work where I was getting straight A grades and not having to study because of, again, not necessarily some amazing amount of talent that I necessarily possessed, but because of the greatest leadership team and the greatest collection of intellectual property and the best filmmakers and the best teams and the combo of all of that Made, made, created some leverage for me to say, you know what, you can either stay inside of this job that doesn't necessarily challenge you, get paid well, be respected by the outside world, but maybe not feel great about yourself when you're by yourself because you know you're not having to really put in a lot of effort to do well, or you can do the thing that's a little less conventional that most people wouldn't do, jump out of this experience and into something that would really challenge your feelings of normalcy and, 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 and push you away from comfort for the opportunity to grow. And so I made, uh, made that choice, jumped from corporate life, a 20-year career inside of corporate entertainment life into entrepreneurship. And I achieved the thing I was looking for. It was absolutely disarming and pushed me out of my comfort zone, but it also was the catalyst for the five most important years of my life when it comes to how much I've grown.
That's fascinating. And you know, by you're telling your story, I kind of recognize myself. I used to be in the corporate world and I used to like wouldn't last at the same job for over six years to a year because I was bored, so bored because I would knew everything that I was supposed to do. It would not challenge me anymore and I would be just bored and I would be like dragging myself to work every day. So the biggest challenge was after my hardest and biggest project that I finished, I used to be in IT project management. I knew like there is no more challenges in this kind of world. I mean, in the corporate world, there wouldn't be any bigger challenges as I went through like right now at that time. And I knew I had to step it up and go on my own. That's when I started kind of to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's amazing. But that's also right. Like it was probably terrifying in some respects, but here you are doing this thing that you feel called to do and in the challenge, it's going to help you grow. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You also written bestseller. What inspired you to write it? Well, I, in transitioning into entrepreneurship and getting into business with my then wife, we were trying to place tools into the hands of a community that we were trying to serve. If we could create something that might change the way that they think, make them believe more in themselves, create some more confidence in them or normalize some of their struggle, would they potentially unlock their gifts in a better way? Would they maybe have a fuller, you know, more peace-filled life? And so uh, many of the tools that we were creating at the time were coming from my, my then wife, Rachel. And I was interested in both offsetting some of the carrying load. I didn't want her to have to carry all the burden necessarily of the responsibility of this business. But also I felt this tug inside of me that was, you know, kind of my intuition, my knowing voice of God, whatever you want to call it, but like begging me to listen to who I'd wanted to be before I'd become who I ultimately had become. And uh, for me, I grew up really wanting to be a reporter. Uh, I loved the news, Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, Tom Brokaw, like they were, they were my people. I was a nerd and that those were my childhood idols. And the idea of being a reporter was something that like I was so into from 18 to 22 and I'd had little stints at local news stations and DJ it on radio, but I had left that. And when I, when I found myself now inside of an entrepreneurial space where I could decide how I might best bring my gifts to bear to support the business, but also to unlock the gifts that you know, sat inside of me, reporting was something that I came back to. And so the idea of writing a book, as much as it's not about the news, was this idea of collecting my experiences, my thoughts, putting them together in stories, and when I decided to do it, my question ended up being, is there something I could offer that might create a, a solution that maybe doesn't exist perfectly inside of this personal development space today? And in a world of experts, I think I leaned a little bit into the non-expert nature of me inside of this workspace, right? Like I am a skeptic. I have had a fixed mindset. I don't necessarily gravitate towards positivity first every single time. And by sharing vulnerably the stories of how I got in my own way, it felt like an opportunity to meet the reader where some of them may in fact be. Sure, there are a lot of people that self-select as being on fire for personal development. And my book might not have been necessarily for them, but 
for the rest who maybe have been somewhat skeptical at times of these tools or how you know mindset works or how motivation works, I think there was something super relatable in being really honest about, yep, some of the good learning that came out of my mistakes, but also sharing my mistakes so that I might normalize them and make someone who has also experienced some of their own struggles feel a little bit more normal and maybe somewhat seen. This is the best when someone writes their story or kind of sharing their knowledge and so many people can relate to it and learn from it is amazing. Yeah, it's I mean, the 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 way that you can hopefully draw people to the truth of your actual essence, your being, here's who I am, this is what I stand for, without a filter, without a mask, especially in the hyper-curated Instagram, you know, social media world that we live inside of. Um, it allows you to be seen. It, it allows your struggle to maybe be met with someone who can, through an empathy bridge, make you feel like it's okay for you to have hard days or for this journey to be nonlinear. And it also, if you end up running into someone who's a little further along their own growth journey, gives you the chance to get some help from someone who might be able to reach back and say, oh, by the way, I also have been in that stuck spot that you're in. And here's how I got unstuck. This was a tool that worked. Here's a book I read, a podcast I listened to. If you keep it in the dark, if you don't own it, bring it out to the light and share it with some vulnerability, you just eliminate the ability to feel connected in community and certainly um, lose the chance to get help from someone who might have a solution ready for you. I absolutely agree with you. And how do you start showing up as the best version of yourself? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, I, to me, I, I, I have to ask this single question. It's a, it's a very big question, but I think it's probably one of the most important and powerful that we can ask, which is, how do I feel about myself when I'm by myself? So how do I feel about myself when I'm by myself is me trying to understand how the actions of my day are connected to the either vision I have for how I'd hope to show up or the model I might hope to make for my children or the potential I might appreciate that I've been gifted by my creator. And the way that I answer the question in a positive way, how do I feel about myself when I'm by myself is on the days that I am able to create integrity between the routine, the goals, the way I would have to operate to become the version of who I believe I have the potential to become, right? I have a vision for who I wanna be five years from now, who I wanna be 10 years from now, but I can't become that version of that guy unless I create some pretty specific ways of operating on an every single day basis that engineer the possibility of me getting there. And on the days when I've created integrity, hey, I, these are the things I have to do. And I actually did those things. I feel great about myself when I'm by myself. But on the days when I know I could have shown up better or would have felt something different if I'd kept that promise to myself, if I don't keep the promise, that's when I feel shame or regret or compromised confidence or the critic in my head starts chirping at me. And so to me, I think like you just have to have a clear vision of who you want to be or who you believe yourself to have the capability to become. And then ask yourself, well, what would it take for me to actually get there? 
And if you can make that list, now you know how to set goals. Now you know how to build a daily routine that engineers the possibility of the outcome that you're intending. I love that. And sometimes it's okay to let yourself have lazy days. Sometimes it's okay to turn off the critic in your head. When you oh, I mean, live up. here's the thing. I, I completely agree. I am an achiever by wiring. Right. Like I am a three on the Enneagram. I am someone who just like achieves. And I achieve in part because I was programmed as a child by loving people that if I were to achieve more, I would be more lovable. I'd be more enough. I would be um, someone that was more worthy. I mean, th these were things that I created, a manifestation of my own imagination saying, if you achieve then, not something that was truly conditional in terms of how they were loving me. But because of that programming, the inverse then ends up becoming really, really difficult in that if I decide or that my body tells me, you need to have some rest, that achiever mentality in me that runs in my subconscious starts to make me feel guilty for slowing down. And I've just really had to become intentional and deliberate with peace and calm being important, mandatory ingredients in the journey that I'm on to who I'd hope to become. Because if I don't stop, if I don't slow down, I can't block out the noise that is incessantly trying to disrupt me from understanding who I'm meant to be or how I'm supposed to show up or any of the things that like my intuition might be begging me to listen to. I can't hear it in the midst of the noise. And so calm or peace on like, I have a back patio I call the patio of peace. Right. I have just made it a part of my routine to sit on that patio and listen, listen to my thoughts, listen to my intuition, can have a conversation with God, because it's in that quiet where I'm deliberately slowing down and pausing that I'm able to get the kind of direction I need once I get back up and get back going. I'm the same way. I used to be perfectionist and I used to be so, so hard on myself that I wouldn't give myself a break till I actually you know, start getting sick or something when I'm overloading myself, my body starts showing me signals that I had to stop and slow down. Then finally, I realized that I have to take days off and I have to let myself to be in peace and quiet so I can function and I can create more. Yeah. How do you define your operating principles? How to level up? Well, it's, it's a little bit of what we were just talking about in that if you were to define, I, I, I like to almost start in personal brand, maybe sounds like a weird thing, but if, if you were hoping to be described by someone in a specific way, right? If someone was on the elevator with the person who might offer you your dream job and they only had 60 seconds from the ground floor to the penthouse what story would you hope that this person who is representing you would tell of you to this prospective boss, right? You're not in the elevator. You can't pitch yourself. Someone else that you care about is going to have to be there to make their best case for why you of all people are the perfect candidate for the role of a lifetime, whether it's a job or a relationship or whatever it might be. What would you hope that they would say? Now, whatever you've written down as to what you hope that they would say, you have to act consistently over time in a way that would actually produce those 60 seconds of words. 
And so when I was in the midst of building my operating principles, these 10 things that I would take my teams through that was a shortcut to their understanding my standard operating procedure. Here's how I do what I do. It was an attempt, if I were to be consistent in each of these things every single day, that my brand might be reinforced every single time I acted in integrity with these principles so that naturally someone would just say the thing that I'd hope for them to say if they only had 60 seconds to describe who I am and how I am. Uh, I had this opportunity, I wrote about it in the book, to meet Steve Jobs before he passed away. And he had this conversation about every time we interact with anyone, it's a brand deposit or a brand withdrawal. It's not neutral. It's either someone thinks better of you, it's reinforcing the thing that you'd hope to have reinforced, or it's a, it's a withdrawal. It's taking away from how they think about something that may be important to you. And so the way that you are considerate of how would I need to act? How would I need to operate consistently so that every single time I'm having a deposit kind of an experience with someone in my circle, someone on my team, someone in my family, someone, whatever, whoever it might be, then if you can identify what are those things that you'd have to do that would be deposit kind of experiences, now you have a list of things from which to build your principles. This principle followed me throughout my life because back when I was in college, I went to Georgia State to business school. Our professors always trained us in project management classes that the 60 second rule in the elevator. So that was like number one rule all the time. So actually I always used it throughout my life as well. Yeah, so good, love that. How do you figure out the right direction when you feel stuck? How do you figure out the right direction when you feel stuck? Well, I've been in uh, a season, maybe for two years now, really trying to uh, like understand why I'm here and why I was given the very specific experiences, passions, the, the wiring that I've been given, the, the way that I am uniquely in a position to offer a very specific kind of impact to people. And the way that I like have thought about it and I would throw out for any listener is, you were created with very specific, very intentional design in mind from a higher power. Doesn't, you know, you might not believe in the higher power that I believe in, but go with me, there is a higher power that created us and that in that creation did so with an intention behind the creation. And so the question that I keep asking is how can I honor that intention? How can I, in the work that I do, in the way that I show up in my life, in the way that I'm present for my family or put work into the world in the form of books or podcasts or whatever it might be, how can I honor the intention of a creator who very specifically gave me these tools, these life experiences, this brain that processes things in these ways. And if you can start asking some of those questions, you give yourself this chance then to get unstuck because stuck is usually having traded off, following the calling or the intention for keeping other people happy or living into what society has deemed is acceptable or right at the expense of your truth at the expense of like fully honoring who you are. And so you wanna get back to honoring who you are. 
And so like what I would say more than anything is to really pay attention to three big areas when you, when you start to feel like you're getting stuck. What do you have personal passion for, right? Like what lights your heart on fire is the first and most important question. Because if you're working inside of an area or inside of a group or inside of a, a relationship where your passion isn't stoked, if you're just not on fire, it's gonna be really hard to feel great. It's gonna, it's gonna feel like you're stuck. So I would start by like really reconnecting to what you like, what your personal passions are, how you like to spend your free time, where, like, what did you wanna be before you became who you've become? Who, who did you wanna be before you became their husband or wife or their mom like, or, or, their, or their dad? Like, who did you wanna be? And how might you integrate some of those things back into your life so that you can connect joy and connect to passion? The second is, what are you great at? Like there is an amazing thing that is released when we find ourselves doing something inside of a space where we are great. If, if we have proficiency, if we have competency, if we have a, an ability over time to develop mastery, there is something that just gets unlocked inside of us. If that ends up also being inside of a space where you have personal passion, forget it. Now you're really onto something. It's almost impossible to get stuck when you find yourself in that kind of a space. And then the third, the third area, passion, what are you good at? What are you great at? Um, the, the third thing is impact. How can your skill, how can your passion impact other people? How can you turn passion into purpose? Well, your pur purpose ends up showing up as soon as you start unleashing your passion in a way that affects other people and, and gives them some of the light that you are carrying. And so... If you can find, you know, like you don't necessarily need to, but if you can, I, this is like the best case scenario. If you can find a way to impact other people inside of something that you actually have great skill for, and it also is something you're passionate about, now you're just running on the fastest treadmill possible, and it doesn't even feel like you're breaking a sweat. It's just the fat, it's the best. Um, but if you're stuck, I would just start with one of the three things two of the three things, all three of the things, what are you passionate about? What are you great at? And where can you find a way to impact other people with the gifts that you, that you have? These are wonderful things that you shared, but I get so many people reaching out to me and saying, well, I have passion for this. How do I monetize it? So when people find their passion and things they like, they have the hardest time monetizing it. And that's like question number one, for people when they feel stuck, but then after they find things they like, they have to monetize it. How do you suggest it? Like, what's the best way to monetize a passion? I mean, to me, I would just make friends with Indeed.com. I'd be, like become a, a, a crazy deep diver into LinkedIn. Like, there are there are plenty of job sites or, or, or resources inside of like people looking for looking for jobs or have jobs that are now available that if you just spend time inside of these platforms that cater to people who are either looking for jobs or who have posted jobs you just make yourself more fluent in what actually ends up being available and it might surprise you right the thing that you love definitely has someone who pays for it it's just like it, there's just there's no question in my mind there there it's almost impossible in this day and age to find something that's so obscure that there isn't anyone that is willing to make, uh, you know, someone to pay someone to help them do it. 
finding a way to position your value. Now that's a different thing because you have to be able to, as your best representative, make sure that you can articulate clearly why someone should, <laughs> because you have this unique set of skills and you're hopefully solving a problem for them. If you can, if you become a storyteller of sorts in explaining what problem you're solving and why you are the most unique and perfect solver, well then people would be crazy to not spend their money with you if you're good at trying, if you're good at articulating those points. I agree. And by working with people and being an entrepreneur, I've noticed some people undervalue themselves so much. They so underestimate themselves as far as some people would charge the same for the same job. I mean, they would charge so low for the same job and other people would charge like sky high. And the thing is, you would pay those people still. Like when I was hiring people and I needed some work done, I've had different options and some people would have like would offer a ridiculous amount as far as like why would you even charge so low for someone for something like this when you can charge way more like I want to pay you more why are you charging so low and some people yeah. charge outrageously high and that's a very interesting thing that I noticed and another thing that I noticed that some people become so passionate for what they do they start very very small like just a hobby and they grew so fast so big because everyone starts referring people to i mean to them yeah yeah it's wild and the, the reality is it, it, it people in it, people in so many ways undervalue their worth and so part of it is as you step in doing a little competitive uh, analysis, if you will, of what other people in your field are charging for the services that they are rendering and being comfortable asking people to pay you what you believe yourself to be worth is, is super important because if, number one, if you underprice the market, it sometimes inadvertently sends a message that you don't know what you're doing or that you're not quality and like up to the standard of quality of someone else who's um, charging more and delivering a similar kind of service. So just don't, you know, don't make the mistake of worrying yourself into not getting business because of not charging enough. You don't want to charge too much, but you know, you are worth what you tell people you cost. And if you stand by it and get good at the messaging around why you believe that the value you are asking for is a deal, if you can, if you can make that message stick, then you, then it's, you're off to the races. How do you shift your thinking from I think I might to I know I can? Oh man, it's like one of the most important things you can do. At the bottom line in anything that you think you can to knowing you can just comes down to actually putting yourself into the arena to try something new. And so I am someone who's lived with plenty of limiting beliefs around what I thought I could or couldn't do. And I didn't yet test the hypothesis personally. I'd either been told what was possible for me or I'd convinced myself this brain of ours is crazy. It can definitely play tricks that convince you that you can't do certain things. And until you try something that you aren't sure that you can do or that even you've potentially been told you can't do, um, you, you won't know. And so for me, whether it, a lot of it for me has been in physical challenges in the last couple of years where I've run unbelievably ungodly long distances in short windows of time. And it has been transformative in how I think of myself as a runner 
or I'm in real time working in like bodybuilding and, and becoming more fit. And I'd never really pushed myself to see what my body was capable of. And now that it's transforming in the way that it is, I believe things about my ability to transform my body that I didn't previously possess because I just never, I'd never tried it before. And so I, unfortunately, I think one of the unfortunate characteristics of us being humans is that we tend to look at the evidence that has most recently presented itself as the likely case of what will happen next. And if we haven't been pushing ourselves into new things or trying something that we might have some fear wrapped in, then we are destined to continue to do things the way that we always have. And the only thing that can break that loop or that cycle is by every once in a while mixing something completely new, maybe scary, maybe a thing that people could make fun of or whatever it might be and doing it just so that in the act of doing it, you're able to now reframe what you think you're able to actually do. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I've had moments in my life when I was assigned some tasks to do and I'll, I was thinking, how am I going to do it? I don't know how, but I have to get it done somehow. And then when yeah. I got it done, I was like, well, it wasn't that hard as I thought. <laughs> yep. You know, that's what's also like that, that point is a fantastic one in that so many of us assign a degree of difficulty to the tasks that we have not yet completed, that it's only in their completion. We can see how much we overestimated the amount of effort it was going to take or the amount of courage it might require or, you know, any of it. We, we tend to be worst case scenario people in that respect. And that worst case scenario doesn't necessarily benefit us when it comes to our willingness to say yes or try new things. We assume that that worst case scenario is the most likely thing to happen when it is most likely never going to happen. And it isn't until we try it that we can see the truth in that. So true. Yeah. How do you develop an advanced mindset and next level resilience? It's a little bit of what we were just talking about in the I, going from I think I might to I know I can't, you know, like. It's only in pushing ourselves into new spaces that we're able to appreciate how resilient we can be. Uh, I mean, I know in this next book of mine that's coming out, Built Through Courage, I talk about courage against the backdrop of what's required to evolve into who you were put on this planet to be. And that courage is the courage to believe that you can do it, right? Some of the advanced mindset pieces end up actually starting with just the conceit, the belief that you were put here for a reason, that your intuition, your knowing, the voice of God that lives inside of you, whatever you want to call it, that it's there for a reason. And it is trying to shake your lapels to convince you to believe that you can. And in that belief, take action to actually make that life that you deserve a reality. And the only way that you can do that is if when you leave your safe harbor, when you leave your secure spot, the you know, things that you've been familiar with, the status quo, you're going to need a mindset that accepts that failure is a for you thing, not an indictment of you thing, that you are going to fail at new things on this journey, that failure is part of why you're going to get to the other side of the journey because of all the learning that's gonna come from it. Without a mindset that sees failure as a data-rich intel source and not an indictment of you not being good, 
you can't keep going. You're going to have to have resilience as a part of how you continue to go. When you push away from that harbor, you find yourself out in the choppy waters. You have not yet got your sea legs. You're not the captain yet fully of this ship. It's going to require you to be resilient when a big storm knocks you over to jump back up and grab the the helm before the boat steers itself toward the rocks. And so um, it just requires you to get out onto that water. It requires you to step into the arena. It requires you to do the things that you have not previously done so that in doing them, you can develop a belief that you can do them. And in that belief, build momentum that allow you to continue to make that that mindset even stronger or that sense of resilience even keener in the way that you're going to continue to lean on them in the journey that lies ahead. Absolutely. And I feel that we are not given challenges that we cannot handle. If we've been given this challenge, if we've been given this task, it means we can handle it and we can do it. So the universe is telling us that. Absolutely. Completely agree. Yeah. And if there are only one piece of advice that you could ever give for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I've got this tattoo on my arm. It's this mantra that I've had for the last handful of years as I've continued to be uh, pushed outside of or myself pushed my, myself outside of my comfort zone. And it says, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. My, my piece of advice would be to believe with every ounce of my being every single day that I was built for this, to not listen to any external source that I might look to for validation, to not listen to that voice in my head on the days when the critic is loud, to not question if there's a purpose or meaning or fulfillment that is set aside for others, but not available to me. It is there for me. I have been equipped to handle it. I've been called into a life of greatness. And I have to believe every single day that I was built to be the captain of that ship out on those choppy waters, because that's how I will become that very best version of myself. And someone who honors the intention of a creator who, when he was making me, made me with very deliberate, intricate design to do great things. And the same is true for you. So if, if you're listening to this and you need to hear from someone that you've got this, you were built for this, believe that you can handle what happens when you push away from something you know for something you need, when you listen to the call or finally uh, allow that intuition, that knowing to come out of your insides and into your conscious brain, build a plan around it and go. Just know that you were built for this. I love it. Amazing. And where can our listeners find you? Your social handles, all your information? Uh, I spend a decent amount of time on Instagram. My handle there is Mr. Dave Hollis. I have a website, mrdavehollis.com. I mentioned my next book coming out. It's called Built Through Courage. And in real time, if you pre-order the book, you get access to a couple of amazing courses, uh, one about finding your purpose, another about resilience and mindset. And there's a, a community that we have that uh, immediately you get to jump into and be part of uh, 13 weeks of coaching leading up to the release of the book. I would love to have any of your listeners join the community. Just head over to mrdavehollis.com forward slash book. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dave. It was my pleasure. Thank you for being my guest.
Oh, I'm so glad I was able to do it today. Thank you for having me. And I hope that I get to come back and talk again someday soon. Sure. Thank you. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.